Hey, it's Lori from Hike. In this bonus episode, you get to hear my conversation with Nathan Pettyjohn, author, entrepreneur, and RV adventurer. Last year in October, 2019, on the heels of a breakup, Nathan rented an RV and took along his dog for a trip in the Pacific Northwest. In our conversation, you get a glimpse into the life lessons he learned from not only his adventure, but also Hoffa, his German shepherd. We talk about the power of saying yes and how every day can be your best day. So take a listen to my conversation with Nathan Pettyjohn. So I'm here with Nathan Pettyjohn. He's an author, entrepreneur, contributing writer for Forbes, and I would say also now an RVer. <laughs> yes. So, um, so we're here to talk about your book. You wrote uh, Travels with Hoffa in Search of Ourselves. Um, and actually, I think it was just released this month, wasn't it? In September? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. So welcome, Nathan. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. I love the stories and advice you share on this show. So I'm grateful to be here. Oh, thank you. So I had a chance to read your book and I got to tell you that it, it felt so conversational. I thought um, it was a really cool concept. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to share some of that with listeners today. Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. So let's just start out with a little bit about you. What, what was the premise behind, you know, getting out in an RV for a few weeks? Uh, and, you know, what brought you to that point? Yeah. So I'm, I started a company in 2011 that does digital marketing. So I've worked remotely since then, um, which is a long time to just kind of like spend at home. Um, so I've gotten kind of sick of uh, staring at social media and screens. And I love getting out. In the last, I say since 2017, I've traveled a lot more. Um, and I wrote a little book with a friend of mine a few years ago about how we outsource our emails and stuff. And that helped um, enable more travel. And a lot of the places that I went were kind of out of the country or I felt like a fish out of water and um, did see some really amazing trails and different places. But I had just gotten this dog who was still a puppy at the time and I was going through a breakup and just wanted to get out of LA and out of town. And so I rented the RV and I guess uh, Steinbeck's book Travels with Charlie kind of inspired me a little bit too because I had read that and I loved the way he explains everything and you know his way with words. Um, so that was part of the inspiration too. So how much planning went into it? Was it a little like seat of your pants or, or were you, you know, did you know like a few weeks before? I uh, booked the RV probably two weeks before I left. I did prepare a fair amount with like packing food and stuff. But as far as like picking the route where I'd stay each night, um, I think for like 23 nights, I only picked ahead of time like two of the nights where I'd stay so most of it was seat of the pants just kind of drive until I found a place and uh, yeah I, I didn't try to plan out too much of it you started off with your brother right yeah my brother he, he yeah so so that was kind of cool that your brother decided to come along with you because I can't even imagine just getting behind the wheel of this huge RV and like navigating through uh, LA traffic so like what 
What were you thinking? Yeah, no, I, what's sillier is I haven't even owned a car in like five or six years. I just Uber places when I have to go. Um, so I wasn't used to driving and certainly wasn't used to driving in like different kinds of weather. So bring it, my big brother coming definitely like helped calm my nerves to get used to that. His birthday overlapped with one of the first couple nights of the trip. Um, and then once we got to Salt Lake City, he flew back home to San Diego. Um, but he's a, I mean, he works uh, with the San Diego Zoo and he loves being outside. And um, he, he and his wife used to live in Denver. And every time I'd go there, we'd um, go for a hike. And anyway, he's a really fun person to camp with. And uh, when we were kids, our dad had an RV for a few years and would take us on RV trips. Um, so I had like a sense of what it would be like, but not driving it myself and setting it up and kind of being responsible. Yeah. What I found interesting, you know, through the book is you were talking about some of those challenges, like what it was like in your first snowstorm or trying to empty the tanks. And, you know, from someone who loves, I love to camp, love to get out there more of like the tent version of, of things. I, I was like, how the heck? you know, do we even like, like do this, you know, and know these things and the hookups and, you know, the amps and, and all of those kinds of things. So, so what was it like to do that? And then also, you know, to take, you know, Hoffa along your dog and as you hit the road? Yeah. I mean, I stayed at a lot of different kinds of places. Like I stayed at some national parks and some RV parks and did a lot of boondocking just kind of out on our own. But the times that we were at RV parks, Uh, There's a lot of kind of camaraderie that I could just ask someone next to me, you know, how do I do this? And they were always really friendly and would show me how. Yeah, I had all sorts of learning lessons. It was kind of like I went out as a noob and did all this. Um, And I don't don't know how like more of the purists, backpackers and um, solo, uh, you know, tent camping people would find this because, you know, I had a bed and a shower. And, you know, so any complaints I had kind of seemed... um, you know, like I'm being a baby about it. Yeah, but you did have challenges, you know, through the way of, you know, making sure like the generator is working, that you have propane, you know, there's there's a lot of things to consider. You know, you decided to take this journey, you said, because, you know, you were sick of working, you know, in this, you know, remote environment, not, you know, getting out there, not being able to, you know, see the sites. And then also, you know, you were going through some personal stuff. How do you feel like, being on the road helped you process things? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, th- I liked, uh, I forget how you phrased it, but on one of your shows, you said some tips for solo backpacking. And you said something about having time to um, get out of your mind a little bit, but also in your mind in some ways. Uh, I like the way that you phrased it. I don't know if I did it right. But um, I think that yeah, being out on my own or even just with the dog gives you a lot of sense of clarity and, you know, just the perspective of seeing like the big trees and the beauty of nature. And you're just kind of like out there and it kind of puts your life and how small you are in, in perspective in some ways. And I talk about like this idea of like bucket lists and um, having the best day of your life every day and stuff. And the dog definitely reminded me of those things of saying like my dog could have the best day of his life every day out there. And he was every single place we stopped. It was like, all right, he's going to have the best day of his life again. Um, So he was just super thrilled the whole time. You know, he wasn't lonely or missing, you know, television or any of those kind of things. So it's a good reminder that, you know, why should I be stressed out about anything? I should just kind of like be in the moment and enjoy this. Yeah. And I think the other kind of point would be about bucket lists and, 
the idea of saying yes to things now and going out and exploring and, you know, even with like COVID or here in California with the fires last week, we couldn't even really go outside because it was so smoky outside. So it's like, you never know when you can be able to do these things. If you put it off to the future or to some date after you retire or something. Um, so I think that's really important too. And it helped remind me a lot of that, of just saying yes and going out and just seeing new things. So uh, when you took Hoffa with you and you're saying like it was, you know, the best day of his life every day, I know that you, you know, during your trip, you visited like national parks and then you're also on, you know, on public land. And then you're also in these like RV parks and, and different things. So you had like a whole different, like a lot of different experiences and I know through reading, you were also comparing them, you know, the whole idea of why we have public lands and these overpopulated or, you know, um, the Instagram, you know, worthy places that have all of these restrictions and leash laws and things where, you know, Hafa really wasn't able to experience it like maybe you had wanted. So what were your thoughts around that? Yeah, I mean, the first place we stopped was Zion National Park and it hit me in the face, you know, it was like the dog had to be on a leash and he couldn't go on the, most of the trails. And most of the trails we went on, there was tons of people going up and back down. Um, like you said, to take uh, the same picture from the same view as everyone else so they can post it on social media. And I just, it was like a Disneyland like like trail of people. So I immediately wanted to get out of there it, and Zion's beautiful and the other national parks are beautiful too. Um, but there was places just a few miles out or, you know, thousands of places in the United States that are beautiful that we don't need to stand in line to take pictures of. And even though I, I make money doing digital marketing stuff, I, I write a column in Forbes about innovation and I've written probably like five articles about why you should get off social media, you know, why, unplugging i've probably read some of those yeah and, you know, like oh <laughs> yeah it's a little contradictory but i guess 10 years of doing it and spending a lot of time staring at screens and seeing how it's impacting us and writing about it i i love the ability to be able to just unplug and i think in yellowstone i really i was forced to because i didn't have any service or the generator or the power inverter like i couldn't do anything except just sit out by the fire with the dog and look at the stars and being forced to do that. Like, and in, you're in Yellowstone and it's completely gorgeous there. And it was like snowing when we woke up the next morning. Um, it was really special and it's definitely like allows for more introspection than, you know, if you're just like even camping with a phone or something. And also in some of the sections of your book, it seemed like some of the most, um, I guess, memorable times were ones you spent down the street in the local bar or, you know, just kind of chatting with others and meeting new people and, you know, having those experiences with others who, you know, from a day-to-day -day basis, you would never imagine that you're going to connect with. So what was it like to connect on the road? I think just, I mean, traveling in general, it could be a different place or an RV like what I did. I just feel more kind of perceptive or just kind of more awake whenever everything is new to me and everyone that I meet is more interesting. And, you know, where I live right now, even though it's beautiful and I'm close to the beach, it's a really dense population. 
Uh, all the houses are right next to each other. There's not a whole lot of grass. You know, there's a lot of fences. The dog has to be on a leash. Um, so just the idea of being out in those places like Wyoming or Montana where the dog is allowed to run around and everyone at the local bar is really nice and knows each other and telling stories about how they ended up there or what they do. I really loved it. It was really just, uh, you know, uh, another kind of sense of perspective for me. At any point, did you, you know, think, hmm, maybe I should just relocate to one of these places? Yeah, totally. I I mentioned too, like, again, with the, like the fires and stuff in California and just how many people there are and what it's been like during COVID with everything shut down. Those places like Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, that I hadn't really considered before, you know, start looking a lot you know, better, even, you know, with global warming and everything else, like these hot, dry places are just going to get hotter and drier. And those kind of hidden gems are going to get more and more interesting. So let's talk a little also more about Hoffa because um, he's a German shepherd. Yep. And in the the book, I believe he was still a puppy or like under a year old, right? Yeah, he was like eight, nine months old. Um, so um, I had this vision of just like him in the passenger side, you know, just being your co-pilot. So was that most of the case? Yeah, he sat in the passenger seat and he sat a little bit taller than me. Uh, we just look out the windows all day. And then, you know, when I'd let him out, he would just like bounce around like a deer or a bunny or something. And just like smiling, happiest dog in the world. I liked how earlier you had said that you're kind of taking from him the whole like every day can be your best day. So tell me more about how the trip in that way changed you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd already kind of believed in that power of like saying yes, and you should go do things. But when I mentioned the bucket list, there was a show idea called Pet Bucket List that I'd had with an old boss of mine. And it'd be taking dogs to, or any kind of animal, a pet uh, and their owner to go do something fun or funny. Uh, it could be like a dog on a, you know, a, a surfboard or hang gliding or uh, take it to like a Michelin star restaurant to have a fancy steak with a bib on or something. It's like cute little things you could imagine people sharing. But the idea was never for like an old or dying dog to go have like one last hurrah, even though that's the way that most people think of bucket lists. It's like you could just write out some specific places and goals and things you want to experience and then work backwards and say, okay, how do I make this happen? You know, cause like, I was able to work remotely, but it's not like I didn't have to plan out the financial part of it and renting the RV and everything. Um, so it was still, you know, it took effort and I had to set the goal and say, I want to do that. But I think that idea of bucket lists and how we just put things off in the future needs to like people's mindset should be more like, all right, I'm going to go do this right now or next month we're going to go here and just start putting things more uh, prioritized. And then, I guess with the best day of the life, uh, his life, you know, I, I know it's not practical to like be Pollyanna and say it like this every day, but I think most times I, I took it from Ron Livingston's character in office space where he's complaining to the therapist that every day of his life is the worst day of his life. Um, yesterday was, and today was, and tomorrow will be. And I think the opposite can be true. Um, especially for my dog where he's like, Yesterday was the best day of his life. Today is the best day. Tomorrow probably will be too. And just having that kind of optimistic approach, you know, something that I need to learn more of, but I think the dog showed me that. So what is on your latest bucket list? Well, 
the last couple of months during COVID, I've done like a, a couple short like Airbnb kind of rentals to just get out of the house and stuff. But I'd like to do another RV trip again soon. Um, you know, at least two or three weeks. I could have done this last one for months and it was only like a three week trip. Like when I came back, I didn't want to return the RV. So I think, I don't know, buying an RV like that would be really cool. Doing more of those kind of trips. It's been a little tricky with COVID of like, you know, where and when you can go somewhere. But uh, yeah, I mean, I want to do this again. Yeah. Other places on your trip, I mean, you're talking about Coeur d'Alene. Um, were there some specific sites or, you know, trails or different things that you really enjoyed? Yeah, I didn't know what to expect in Mount Rainier. And that uh, area was just gorgeous. I liked being there a lot. And it was just me and the dog and it, it rained a lot, but we did some hiking. The trails there are beautiful. Just that whole forest. I didn't know what to expect. And I, I left there wanting to go back. And there was another spot near uh, Crater Lake that was really beautiful. The dog loved. And I liked everything in Montana. So tell me a story from your book. Why don't you share like something about, you know, one of your days with the listeners? Yeah. I, I know you mentioned the stuff in the snow. Um, yeah. Especially you trying to get the RV out there. And, and uh, I think that was from Yellowstone, right? I was terrified. Uh, well, we went out the West entrance um, toward Ennis, Montana. And I had tent camped in Ennis, Montana the year before, the same campground. But it was a little later in the year. It was like mid-October, so it was um, snowing when we woke up in Yellowstone. And then when we got out of Yellowstone, the roads weren't plowed at all. So it was really icy, and I was I was really scared driving that thing. And then the snow just kept coming down harder, and it was like a whiteout, and you couldn't see five feet in front of you. So I... I was passing some uh, like truck rest area stops and I saw one and pulled in and kind of like slid in and uh, I parked and made some coffee and I was just like, all right, what should I do? Maybe I should just camp out here at this rest area for the night. I think people do that. Um, and then I saw a trucker pull in and he got out to go to the, the, there was like a rest area bathroom and I like caught him outside and told him that I was thinking about staying there. And he was like, you know, you can just camp out in these places. Right. And his response was like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't stop. I drive for a living. But he said it so matter of factly that I was like, okay, I guess I should uh, <laughs> just power through this. Um, and then later in the trip, every time I was a little scared, I would think of that guy and how he'd say like, I don't know. I don't stop. I drive for a living. I really like that. So now that you have your RV uh, chops, you know, so that you can, uh, I think, you can either buy one or uh, do another rental, but I feel like there's going to be more on the road experiences. Yeah. I think the dog wants to, too. Oh yeah. It's definitely Hoppe has to go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for someone who is maybe whether they're in a rut or uh, just, you know, kind of thinking about their own bucket list and they're wondering like, maybe I should do this. Like, especially in COVID, I, I think, I read somewhere that RV rentals like went through the roof this year and I know campgrounds are hard to get into, but what advice would you give them about doing this type of adventure? Yeah, I think I, I read something like 40 million people in the next year will do an RV trip in the U S I would say my favorite thing was boondocking. And if you have some propane and a generator and some water and maybe some groceries, you can just go camp out anywhere on a uh, Bureau of land management land 
there's hundreds of millions of acres of BLM land you can park at for free for two weeks at a time and then just move the camper. Um, so yeah, I mean, even if a lot of the campgrounds or national parks may be closed or lower capacity or busy, that would be my suggestion is to go out and boondock somewhere. Uh, we stayed at a ranch in Montana. There's a, a lot of different apps. Like I used a free one called Free Roam that'll, that'll show you BLM land. And I've seen other apps where you can like rent places to stay at like a, a vineyard or like other cool kind of um, locations. And a friend of mine in Montana just had started an app called Land Trust that people that own land can uh, rent it out for hunters. And so we went out to one of the properties that he had just booked, which was like a 17,000 acre ranch. And he needed to take pictures of it for the app, but we just stayed out there the night and something like that where we were just off on our own 17,000 acres and all sorts of animals and uh, we both brought our dogs and they played and um, it was just really special experience um, so I would I would focus more on those kind of uh, you know nights or stops rather than just like the iconic you know places at national parks or something yeah no that's great advice um so how can people uh, read your book? Where, they, where can they uh, pick it up today? Uh, well, it's on Amazon. I think it's available on all the other kind of Barnes & Noble, Apple uh, links also. But uh, yeah, my name's Nathan Pettyjohn. So if you just Google that, it should all pop up. All right. And the book is Travels with Hoffa in Search of Ourselves. And I will put a link in the show notes. Um, are there any social media accounts where people can follow you and and, uh, or, you know, does Hoffa have social media? Uh, he doesn't post very often, but he does. Mine's at NR Pettyjohn, um, and his is Rafa the GSD. Ah, okay. I will put those in the show notes as well. Awesome. I look forward to seeing more of your adventures. Thank you so much for taking time out to have a conversation with me today and, and share some of the experiences. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Nathan, for sharing your story with my listeners. Check the show notes for links to Nathan's social media and also how to get his book. And a special bonus for my listeners, if you go out to my Instagram this week, as I release this episode, the week of November 23rd, 2020, you'll be eligible to win a copy of Travels with Hoffa in Search of Ourselves. So Go check out my social media and my Instagram for more info. I'll be back on December 3rd with a new episode of Hike. So until next time, see you on the trail.